0: Sa da pa 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 magari ri ri pa ri sa shivengkatesha sou prakashas
1: Hello, welcome back to Ragara. This is a podcast program that explores the world of Carnatic music. I'm your host, Devesh Satyavolu. Joining me from Albany, New York, is Vidya Subramanian. Hello Vidya, and Happy New Year to you.
2: Hi Devesh, I would like to wish you as well as all our listeners a very Happy New Year.
1: Let's pick up from where we left the last time. When we were talking about some of the compositions of Sri Anamacharya, we mentioned the Raga Mukhari. So in this segment, we'd like to discuss this Raga a little more. So Vidya, could you introduce Mukhari for us?
2: The Raga Mukhari has been mentioned in a number of Karnatic music textbooks and it seems to be an ancient Raga which has evolved and developed over time. The way we know Mukhari today is as a janya of the 22nd Melakarta Ragam Priya. The arohanam and Avarohanam that is the scale of Mukari is generally sung in a couple of different ways. So let me illustrate the two ways in which people commonly sing the scale of Mukari. The first way it is sung is as follows. The second way of singing the scale is As you can see the distinction between the two renditions is in the arohanam or the ascending portion of the scale. Some people sing it as panidasa while others sing it as Padasa. And uh, when we look at the nature of Mukari Ragam, both renditions seem to be perfectly acceptable.
1: Interesting. So could you just uh, very specifically focus on that part of the uh, ascending scale, Panidasa, and sing it for us, uh, Vidya?
2: Sure. (laughs) Panidasa Padasa When I was thinking about why we have these two versions of the scale, uh, it occurred to me that the reason is likely to be because of the fact that while padasa is generally acceptable and sung, panidasa is considered to be a very important phrase that brings out the beauty of mukhari ragam. And it is very important to employ the chatushruti daivatam or two in that particular phrase. And I think... That's the reason it has been incorporated into the Arohanam Avarohanam itself by some scholars.
1: So, tell us a little more about this particular raga in terms of its standing as compared to all other ragas.
2: Mukare is classified as a Rakti raga. A Rakti raga is a term that we use for a raga that is considered to be high in emotional appeal or emotional content. It is a Shadava Sampurna raga. That is another new term that we are dealing with today. Chādhava is a term that we use for a raga which has six notes. The term shut in Sanskrit means six. So a shadava raga is one that has six notes in either the ascending or the descending portion of the scale. And Sampurna means complete in Sanskrit. So a Sampurna raga is one which has all the seven notes. That is Sarigama Padani. So when we study the scale of Mukari Ragam, we have six of the seven notes occurring when we look at the Arohanam of Sari Mapa Nidasa. So, the missing note in the Arohanam of Mukari is the Gandharam or Ga. We have the six remaining notes which makes it a Shadava Arohanam. And when we look at the descending scale or Avarohanam, we have all the seven notes which makes it a Sampurna Avarohanam. So, it is called a Shadava Sampurna Ragam. A very important aspect of this ragam is the presence of the Chatushruti Daivatam or Da2 in the Arohanam and the Shuddha Daivatam or Da1 in the Avarohanam.
1: Once again, for some of, our, uh, some of the listeners, uh, could you share with us the distinctions between the Da2 and the Da1?
2: Certainly. As I may have mentioned earlier, the Daivatam or Da can take three distinct positions the first position being the shuddha daivatam which i commonly refer to as da1 the second position being the Chatushruti daivatam which is commonly referred to as da2 and the third position being the shatshruti daivatam or da3 so let me sing the da1 and da2 both of which occur in mukari ragam da, da The first Da I sang was the Chathushruti Daivatam or Da 2. And the second Da that I sang was the Shuddha Daivatam or Da 1.
1: So Vidya, before we move on, uh, uh, last question on this Da 2 and Da 1 construct. I have two questions to ask you. One is, is Mukari a light Raga or a heavy Raga? And is it common to expect Alapanas of Mukhari in concerts? And if you do uh, hear Alapanas of Mukari in a concert... I'm presuming that it is very important to reach and touch the right notes depending on whether you're singing the ascending scale or the descending scale. Is that right?
2: Both are very appropriate questions. Let me answer them one by one. As far as the frequency in which you would hear a Mukari alapana goes, I would say it is fairly common to come across an alapana of Mukari in a concert. Mukari is a pretty heavy classical ragam. I would also like to mention here that it is a ragam that is typically characterized by a lot of phrases that are unique to that ragam. So it is not a very scale-based ragam. While we do have a, an arohana or avarohana for this ragam that is just really scratching the surface of mukhari ragam. So if you just merely learn the arohanam and avarohana of mukhari, you would not be able to do an expansive alapana of mukhari that brings out the nature and beauty of the ragam you would really need to have learnt at least half a dozen compositions in the ragam to understand and appreciate how mukari ragam is to be sung therefore you know an alapana of mukari is fairly commonly heard and is governed by key phrases that are unique to mukari ragam and the scope of mukari ragam itself is somewhat limited when you compare it to other more expansive ragams like bairavi or karaharapriya so It is very rare that you would hear like a half an hour exposition of Mukari ragam unless the person is really a stalwart because there is this risk of repeating the phrases over and over again and making it a monotonous exercise. As far as your second question goes, it is very important to note that when a musician performs an alapana of a raga, he or she does not really think in terms of the swarams of the ragam, especially when you're singing a ragam like Mukari, which is very much an emotive, content based ragam you really think about it as one big picture and you think of what phrases would really suit the mood of the ragam and therefore i would say the way the two das are used kind of automatically falls in place as you perform the raga it is next to impossible to really think of it as you know this is an ascending phrase and i'm going to put in the da two and now i'm coming down and i'm going to sing the da one that's really not the way a person approaches an alapna. It is usually done keeping in mind the whole picture of the raga. Uh,
1: the reason I asked that question was because I'm putting myself in the shoes of a uh, of an amateur artist who is just learning Carnatic music. Let's say I'm playing the violin, and if I'm seeing if I am performing the alapna of uh, Mukhari on my violin, it'll be grammatically incorrect uh, uh, by mistake for me to play the da one in the ascending portion of my alapna, would that not be true?
2: Yes, that is largely true, but it is also important to know that which Da you use where also depends to an extent on the context of usage. For example, while we generally understand that the chatushruti Daivatham or Datu is used in ascending phrases, I can sing you a couple of descending phrases in which we actually use the two, and it is still acceptable because it is within the confines of what we define as Mukhari Ragam. Here, I actually ended the first two phrases in Chatur Shruti Devatam, And only when I touched the Pa, I sang the Shuddha Devatam, And that is the way it is meant to be sung. So it is kind of difficult for a person to really do justice to Mukari Ragam unless you know at least a few good compositions in the ragam. Because it is very important to understand this point, actually. The way Carnatic music is learnt is through composition. So most of these traditional ragams are best understood by learning a number of compositions in those ragams.
1: Fascinating. So Vidya, let's continue that exercise. Could you actually sing a few more outlines of this raga to bring out the salient features?
2: Absolutely. When we look at the swarams in Mukari, I would say the most crucial swarams would be the ma and the ri. The ma is one of the jiva swarams or life-giving notes in the ragam. And it can take a number of distinct gamakams or shades. The first one that I would like to illustrate is a delicate throbbing gamakam. And it goes like this. And to give an illustration of how this occurs in a composition, I would like to sing an excerpt from a composition of Arunachala Kavi. The song goes as Arivar Yar Unnai. Arivar So the Swarams would be Ririma so Pa. This is an illustration of the delicate throbbing Gamakam. The second type of Gamakam that I would like to illustrate today is a high Gamakam. That goes as a back and forth oscillation between the pa and the ma. And again, to give you an example of how this occurs in a composition, I'm going to sing a little snippet from a very popular piece by Tiagaraja, Yentani ne Varnintunu. would be re, ma, ma. So here we have a high gamakam to dhamma. Some other important and interesting aspects would be the predominance of the re in the higher octave. We typically find that when a person performs an alapana of Mukari he or she would halt in the higher re and sing a number of phrases in that position.
0: <speaking> in the <language> Dasarim, dasarimogarim,
2: dasarimogarim,
0: dasarimogarim, dasarigarim,
2: dasarigarim, dasarigarim, dasarigarim. The next point that I would like to mention here is that the Chatushruti Daivatam or Datu is very powerful in the Avarohana or the ascending segment. Padasa. In general, while we have both the chatushruti Daivatam as well as the Shuta Daivatam in the Ragam, my understanding is that the chatushruti Daivatam is the more powerful note and it kind of dominates over the Shrutta Daivatam. And I think it's interesting to note here that that could be the reason why Mukari is classified as a Janya of Kharahra Priya the 22nd Mela and not Nata Bhairavi, the 20th Mela. When we look at the scales of Nata Bhairavi and Karaharapriya, the only distinction is the presence of the Shuddha Devatam in Nata Bhairavi and the Chatushruti Devatam in Karaharapriya.
1: Very interesting, Vidya. I have a question about a term that we have used quite frequently in our series so far. And in fact, you've used it just now as well. And the term is Janya. What does Janya mean? And specifically here you have referred to a Janya of Karaharapriya. And that's also something that we have frequently mentioned in our series, Karagara Priya. So two questions here. Question one is, what is what is Janya? Can you explain that for us? And question two is, is there something special about Karagara Priya in that there are so many Janyas of karagarapriya out there?
2: Regarding the first one, what is a Janya Ragam? It's very interesting to note that, you know, when I went online to see what different websites had to say, I was quite surprised that a lot of websites say that a janya is a ragam that is derived from a melakarta ragam, I would say that is somewhat misleading because many janya ragams were in existence long before the melakarta scheme was even invented and many of the melakarta ragams are of relatively recent origin. So the janya classification is not something that is done from a chronological perspective, but it is just done for a student to understand the swara positions in the scale of a particular ragam. So it is a purely academic classification, I would say, and it really does not help in understanding the nature of a particular ragam. So when we say that Mukhari is a janya of karaharapriya, all it means is that a majority of the notes of Mukhari are the same as that of the melakarta ragam karaharapriya. The one note that is present in Mukhari that is not there in karaharapriya is the shuddha daivatam, And as I mentioned earlier, the Shuddha Devatam is kind of subordinate to the Chatushruti Devatam in importance as far as Mukari Ragam goes. And that is the reason why Mukari is classified as a Janya of Karaharapriya. And coming to your question on why there are a number of Ragams which are classified as Karaharapriya Janya, I would say that is because of a few different reasons. The first one being... The note combinations of certain ragams are inherently such that they are conducive to the birth of n- new ragams. This could be because they are a particularly melodious combination of notes. When we look at the Melakarta scheme, certain ragams like Karaharapriya, Shankarabharanam, Harikamboji would have several, several janya ragams, while there are a number of other ragams which would have very few janya ragams. A second and very important point to understand here is that a given janya raga could actually be considered as a janya of a number of different Melakarta ragams and when this happens, the convention seems to be to classify it as the janya of the first ragam in the scheme which satisfies the criteria. So, for example, if you take a ragam like Mohanam, the scale is number of ragams could have the same riga pada. So examples that come into mind immediately are Harikamboji, Shankarabhanam, Kalyani, Vachaspati and so on. So how do you know which one should be called the Janaka ragam or parent ragam for Mohanam? And the consensus among many musicologists today seems to be to classify it as a janya of Harikamboji, which is the first ragam in the scheme of 72 ragams, which satisfies the criteria of possessing all the notes that are there in Mohana.
1: Very interesting.
2: So going by the same definition, you would find that, you know, if a raga could typically be classified as a janya of either Karaharapriya or any of the subsequent Melakarta ragams, Karaharapriya being the earliest one would be classified as the parent of that particular janya.
1: So coming back to Mukhari, you've mentioned that it is a Rakti raga or that it is a raga good for describing emotions, the frequently associated emotion to Mukhari seems to be one of sadness and melancholy. Uh, is that is that a fair representation? What do you think?
2: That seems to be a widely accepted notion among many lay listeners. But however, many musicologists disagree with that perception. I would say the reason why Mukhari could have become associated with melancholy could be the presence of Jaru or curves in this ragam which has a certain melancholic effect sometimes. These are examples of jarus or curves. And uh, when we look at the compositions in Mukari, the very famous Tyagaraja composition that I mentioned earlier, Yantanine, brings out this emotion of pathos. But when we analyze the wealth of compositions, we find that Mukari Ragam has been very successfully used to convey a variety of emotions. The composer who has most effectively used this raga to cover a wide variety of emotions is Yagaraja. For example, in the song Yelavatara in Mukari Raga, he brings out the adbhuta rasa or wonder. In the song Sarasi Ruhanana, Nana, he brings out the Sringara rasa or romanticism in the very popular piece. Shinamai. This song was popularized by the late uh, Sri Srinivasa Here, He brings out fury or raudra rasa. And in yet another beautiful composition, Sangeeta Shastra, he brings out peace or shanta rasa. And in muripemi galige, he brings out the bhakti rasa or devotion. And all these Thyagaraja compositions are masterpieces. And they bring out a comprehensive experience of different emotions of Mukari Ragam.
1: Fascinating. So, Vidya, let's pause here and actually pick up next time where we'll feature a a few compositions of Mukari Ragam, including the popular one, Entanine. Thank you, Vidya, for your time. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Wishing you a happy new year once again. Hope to see you next time on Ragarasika. To learn more about Vidya, visit her online at vidyasubramanian.com write to us at ragarasika.com that's R-A-A-G-A R-A-S-I-K-A dot com Thank you and goodbye.
0: dun <SPEAK recall noise>